What's up? What's up? What's up? Back in the lab. Back at it. Another Minnesota Twins postcast episode right here on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. You got myself, Luke Inman, at Luke underscore Spinman. That's Brandon Warren, host of the Lockdown Twins podcast. Got underscore Warren and Brandon. Game one action from tonight. Quick reminder, this postcast episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics to treat over 50 types of infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. All right, brother, let's jump right into it. Twins start their final three-game series versus the Rockies tonight. Looking to stay red hot in the month of September with that and nine record coming in here's your quick 30 second elevator pitch recap from tonight twins jump yeah. out quick three nothing lead farmer rbi single michael a taylor i don't know if you saw it absolute moonshot over the left field bleachers i think it went like 468 good gravy man uh joe ryan gives up that solo shot makes it three one after two farmer grounds out into the fielder's choice double play the very next inning that tacks on one more makes it four one Rockies bounce back, though. RBI single of their own. Cut the lead in half. That you could live with. Things got a little rocky there, pun intended. Ryan gives up a three-run shot, makes it 5-4. Not exactly what you love to see in his last game before the preseason, or excuse me, postseason. We'll get into that a little bit later. He gives up another solo shot to make it 6-4. Twins fight back, though. Back-to-back shots uh, by Larnick and Jeffers in the uh, seventh. They go up, excuse me, they tie at 6-6. And then uh, Max Kepler with the game-winning RBI in the ninth. They win it by a score of 7-6. I obviously want to get your thoughts on Mr. Joe Ryan. That was his final outing of the regular season. So hold those thoughts, but just real quick here first, kind of just your snapshot overview of the Twins' performance tonight in Game 1. Any news or notes or takeaways you'd like to share? Just kind of top of your head from what you saw. Yeah, I mean, a game like this right now with, with where the Twins are at, it's more of like a spring training kind of thing where you're just kind of getting guys to go through the motions, stay sharp and that sort of thing. So to win a game like that is certainly good. You, you know, obviously you're never going to be against that, but, um, and again, showed some uh, ability to fight through adversity late too, which has been a hallmark of this team in the second half. But um, yeah, honestly, it, it was just more a matter of kind of pushing buttons, see what works, see what doesn't get some guys in some spots, uh, you know, Trevor Larnick homering, uh, you know, he wants to make that decision tough to keep him off that playoff roster, that sort of thing. Um, so the results don't matter that much. But again, uh, at the end of the day, you still get that W. I don't care too much about Joe Ryan in Colorado. He's had a homer issue all season long. So three in Colorado, it's kind of to be expected. But in general, um, Twins win two games to go and then it gets real serious real quick. Yeah, you mentioned it. Tonight's results didn't really matter at this point. Playoff seeding, all that. I know some fans were hoping Joe Ryan could rack up nine strikeouts tonight because that would have given the Twins two starting pitchers with 200 strikeouts or more for the first time since 1967. He ends the night with six, so three shy, 197 on the season. Still really good. Final stat line reads five innings, eight hits, six earned, three home runs. So, I guess, what are your thoughts? Ryan's kind of final tune-up game here, game one tonight. How are we feeling about him potentially being the guy for a game three now in the postseason next Thursday night? And let me ask this. Was that game three start a done deal no matter what happened tonight, or does tonight's outing play any kind of factor in Rocco's decision, do you think? No, I think for the for the sheer fact that it's Colorado and it's this time of year, True. I think it 
whatever they've decided is locked in, I think it's Joe Ryan. But I also think, too, it would be Joe Ryan with a quick hook for either Bailey Ober, Kenta Maeda, mm-hmm. whoever. It would probably be one of those two guys. But for my money, even if it's Joe Ryan through the first three, Kenta through the next three, and then you mix and match from there. You know, we saw Kenta in the final game of this last series here at home where he um, – or in this series at home where, you know, he came out of the bullpen and looked just dynamite. Uh, nothing new for him. So, you know, they'll go the more traditional route with the first two guys if Joe Ryan gives them anything good in game three. Uh, again, if a game three even happens, uh, you know, they'll let him ride for as long as possible. But it's it's going to be interesting to see because – the home runs is a problem and you can't have those in October. Yeah. By the way, my dad will appreciate this. He always watches these. So I got to fling this out there and not going to lie. I've never heard of any of these guys. So bear with me, but 1967 twins actually had three pitchers who struck out 200 or more batters that year. Do you want to take a stab at any of them? I mean, I'd be pretty impressed if you got any of them. I'm not uh, uh, Dean chance. Nice. You got the first one right out the gate. Look at you. Um, bing, bing, bing. 220 for Dean chance led the team. Yeah, I probably need, I probably need initials for the other guys. JK had two eleven. Jack Kralik. A Jim cat. Is that oh, a Jim Cott. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Jim Cott. Thank you. Duh. Yep. Yep. With 211. Then good old Davey Boswell. Dave, Dave Boswell, Boswell racked up 204, which that's pretty impressive no matter what era of baseball you're talking about. Have three guys strike over 200 batters out in a season. All right. Just yep. thinking postseason picture now. Um, I know it sounds like Correa's got the green light for game one. And then Royce Lewis seems pretty primed. Correct me if I'm wrong, but pretty primed to at minimum be a DH, which, hey, you'll take whatever you can get from that guy. I guess any latest with that whole situation as far as how Royce is progressing and then what other playoff roster, you know, predictions can you give us when it comes to some potential bubble guys? Because I know there's going to be a lot of tough decisions for Rocco right. coming up with guys like, you know, Chris Paddock and Brock Stewart back in the mix. Uh, I assume that means a guy like Dallas Keuchel is out in that scenario. Yep. And then I know if Royce is in, there's some talk you keep maybe Andrew Stevenson up to help pinch run for him as well. So I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong on all that. And I guess just give us your predictions when it comes to some tough decisions Rocco's got on his plate for the playoffs. Yeah. For me, my last guy out in the bullpen is Cody Funderburk, which leaves you with eight really, really good relievers because Cody Funderburk is a, he's a dynamite pitcher. He pitched, he looks great. Uh, and then my last position player out, I want to say was, uh, was Stevenson, but I had Buxton in. Buxton made his case, I know, uh, earlier this week to be on the playoff roster. We'll see what happens because obviously it's still up in the air. But, yeah, I think Stevenson made sense as a situational runner, whether it's for Lewis late in games or, you know, Christian Vasquez, your catcher. Uh, A lot of teams have weapons like that. Terrence Gore for the Royals the years that they were, you know, playing in the World Series, he was like an extra special weapon at, at the end of the game, you know, if you get a guy on first, he's already on second, basically levitating his way over there. So um, Stevenson is not quite that fast, but he's a weapon all the same. And we saw, I mean, he scored the winning run in this one too. And he went first to third on a ball that barely left the infield. That's right. Yeah. There's value and it's, it's a lot more situational baseball stuff where you want pinch hitters, pinch runners, short relievers, et cetera, et cetera. So if Buxton doesn't make it, I think Stevenson does, but, um, Pitching-wise, you know, uh, I think they're going to be pretty well set up, if, if you ask me. 
And what's the deadline on that playoff roster, by the way? Like, can Rocco bring this thing down to the wire like the night before, the day of even, next Tuesday, before he's got to get everything set in stone for round one? How does that work? So they, You submit a roster before the round. Um, I believe it's the day before. Let's see. Yeah. And then, well, anyway, so what happens is if you have a guy come off the roster injured, they have to miss the next series. So once you set that roster okay. – um, whenever it's officially set, uh, it's 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 a certain amount of time before the game, but I don't um, I don't see anything specifically. So I don't know if there's a hard deadline as much as there is just you have to have your roster. But um, yeah, so with with a series like this with the potential for three games, you're not going to need as many starters. You're going to want more relievers, or you condense your pitching staff, and then you have more pinch runners, pinch hitters types. So it'll be. Um, It'll be very, very interesting. But yeah, I would I would assume they'll set that roster sometime Monday, probably late morning, early afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll have a pretty good idea, maybe even what the lineup will look like as well heading into Tuesday. Yeah, no, I want to ask you about the Twins' potential playoff opponents now that we're just kind of inching closer. But first, quick reminder, this episode brought to you by Jace Medical. Life throws plenty of curveballs at us. That's why the Jace case is out there providing you with five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use, giving you the peace of mind. You've got access to the right medication on hand whenever you need it with the Jace case. Jace case is simple. They handle the entire elevation process. Plus, they've got licensed pharmacy medication delivery to your doorstep, along with consultations and care when you need it. Right now, save over $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical. Plus, save an additional $20 when you use the code Locked on. That's one word locked on at checkout over at jacemedical.com. J A S E medical.com. Use the promo code locked on for the peace of mind when you need it. All right. Twins chances at a buy are toast. All right. So we got that out of the way. Meanwhile, Astros and Mariners kind of coming down to the wire for that final playoff spot. And it's going to be one of those two that obviously end up traveling to Minnesota to take on the Twins in round one. I asked our guy Sam Ekstrom this the other night, but I'm, I'm, I'm just not completely sold yet on which team I'm supposed to be rooting for here. Like it just doesn't feel very cut and dry by any means. So what's your take or what's your gut say about which team gives the twins the best chances in round one when it comes to, I don't know, specific matchups, right? Head to head records and all that good stuff. Who are you rooting for and why? Even if you look at the Astros, you know, their their starting staff has been pretty rough in the second half. Mm -hmm. They still can go after you with Justin Verlander and it doesn't really matter how good or bad he's been. He's still Justin Verlander. Framber Valdez, also lefty, big ground ball guy, has has struggled at times. But again, th- there's a, a pattern or a, a precedent that he's been a good pitcher in October, so you don't really run away from that just because he's had a couple bad outings. But uh, for me, I think Seattle's a better matchup just because I don't trust their offense as much because outside of Julio Rodriguez, it's a lot of uh, you know different pieces kind of loosely thrown together that sometimes scores runs, sometimes doesn't. Uh, so for me, I, I like that better. But both of those teams have, um, you know, in the case of, of the Mariners, they have good pitching with Luis Castillo, George Kirby, and those guys at the top. And then the Astros, they kind of just have that know-how. They've been there. I mean, they're, they're coming off winning a World Series. So honestly, I'm not sure that there's a preferable matchup, but I think I lean Seattle. But again, this is – everybody's talking about how it won't be the big, bad Yankees – 
Right. Um, we thought that in 2020 with the Astros too, and they came in and took care of business too. So yeah, yeah, good yeah, point. Don't count your chickens before they hatch. Absolutely, no, good point there. And technically, Mariners are down three from the Rangers in the West and play them three more times to end the year. So a long shot, I know, but technically they could still yeah. win the West. Twins could end up playing the Rangers, I guess, when it's all said and done and finished, right? Would you rather play the Rangers or like absolutely no chance, no way, too red hot right now? Uh, I don't like facing that offense. Uh, yeah. But honestly, yeah. uh, if you draw those three out of a hat, I, I don't know that any is preferable to the others. Okay, um, that's good to know, though. Okay. They're all, they're all, they all have their strengths. They all have their weaknesses. Uh, Texas's bullpen is dreadful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know if I should say this, but they're, they're trailing Seattle right now. So Seattle, you know, who knows? Uh, right. they also Seattle has the tiebreaker breaker, excuse me, oh. over Houston. Houston okay. is up on Arizona right now. So, um, there's a game difference, but a tiebreaker in play, it's going to get interesting. I really do think it's between Houston and Seattle. I'm, I'm ready to just kind of move on from Toronto and, and, and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting though, because, uh, Either of those teams are going to be tough, but they have different strengths that match up with the Twins pretty well. Yeah, no, a lot of good points there too as well. And I only bring that up because Ron Johnson mentioned Houston and Seattle's road record when choosing who he'd rather face on today's roundtable show. But the Rangers of all three of them easily have the worst road record, 39 and 39, sitting at 500. So maybe... I know it sounds crazy, but maybe not the worst thing in the world to get a warm weather team to travel to Minnesota in October, have yeah. that weather maybe play a factor on the road for them, no less. So as it stands now, you mentioned it, Astros up one game on the Mariners entering tonight. Sounds like they're beating the Diamondbacks as of now, as we speak. It's um, late. Yep. Yeah. On the seventh. Okay. Yeah. There you go. And then first pitch between Mariners Rangers are we're, we're way past them. Bottom what are we four, like? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So keep your eyes peeled on those scores as well before you head to bed. Um, All right. You're always my twins go-to guy with the stats and the analytics and the fun facts, stuff like that. There's nobody better. So I know you're sitting on something, something juicy, right? Give us some twin stat or analytic that's kind of stuck out to you the last week or two that you want to share. Could be about anyone, anything, pitching staff, uh, the red hot September they've had, the rookies who have stepped up, anything. What do you got? Yeah, I feel like we lose sight of the fact that the offense strikes out so much hmm. that the pitching staff is right up there in the mix as well. I mean, it's strikeouts on both sides of the ledger. Tonight, Twins hitters strike out eight times, which is plenty. It's not a ton, but they strike out 11. Um, you know, it, it's not a one-sided deal. I think it's amazing just to see how this team has guys in the bullpen throwing 98 and starting pitchers striking out a batter plus an inning when five years ago you know they have a bullpen full of these guys they couldn't find one five six seven years ago when these guys took over um i really love where this team is right now it just seems like they're vibing it seems like they are uh, they're they're fighting late in games like we saw in this one um i haven't felt vibes like this with the twins team in a long long time and normally i'm the data guy the statistics guy i'm also going to be the vibes guy i I feel it with this team, man. I think they're, I think they're special. I, I knew you wouldn't disappoint. That was awesome. Really good point on the strikeouts on both sides of the ball for the Twins. Um, yeah. Speaking of analytics, I know this is kind of random, way out of left field. I just remember after the first two, three months or so, Twins were one of the lowest ranked teams at steals and bunts. And I know that's just not Rocco's game, but is that still the case? Because they were like bottom three in the league around the all-star break. Is that just not their identity and how Rocco wants to win that small ball? 
Well, and so it, it, it a lot of times has been about personnel. Um, you know, Willie Castro was on the team before Byron Buxton, you know, they're protecting him, but he was also hitting home runs. You don't have to steal bases True. if you're hitting home runs. So um, it's come down to personnel. Willie Castro, uh, as we've seen a couple of times here recently, can be a really good bunter in good spots. And um, yeah, as long as they've got the guys who can run the bases, they like to, there's a, 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 f- a formula that tells you if you steal at X percent based on the environment of offense, it's a break even proposition, you know? So if you're stealing above that, it's good. But if you're getting thrown out too much, you're obviously killing your moat your momentum. So um, if guys can steal 75, 80% of the time success rate, uh, I think they're still going to give them the green light. But yeah, at the beginning of the year, it just, uh, they, they looked like they were going to be, um, you know, if you, if you rank them against players, they'd have less stolen bases. Um, mm-hmm. They they came around a little bit, but um, mm-hmm. you know, no Ronald Acuna juniors on this twins. <laughs> no, that's good to know though. I was just curious about that. It's, hey, it's, I'm it's still- really it's a snowball. It's picked up as the season has gone on. For, for sure. sure. No, that makes sense. Yeah. I'm still used to that piranha small ball era. They used to play with Rod Gardner, <laughs> higher Punto, Alexi yep. Casilla, man. I need to get yep. over it. Like, live in the now, Luke. It's over. Let it's it go, over. man. Let it go. It's New over. vibes. Um, all right. Before we wrap up, I got to ask you what the 2024 Twins lineup might look like. But first, quick reminder, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook and official sportsbook partner of the MLB. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place just a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets no matter what, win or lose, when you place just a $5 bet. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on all the action. The app, it's so easy to use, and they got everything you need from money lines, parlays, prop bets, you name it, they got it. FanDuel's got everything you need to bet in the entire MLB postseason, including your Minnesota Twins. You can find them right now to win the World Series on FanDuel at 17 to 1. So go check it out, see for yourself, and visit fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on today. America's number one sports book, FanDuel, official partner of the MLB. All right, I got two quick fun ones to end here. I want to ask you which Twins player stock has moved up the most over the last month or so. I know they've had a red-hot September because I know there's there's been a lot made about the Twins having these three rookies in the lineup that have absolutely taken that next step, so to speak. Royce Lewis, Walner, Ed Julian. But there's even more to choose from when it comes to just which guy's stock is red-hot right now entering the postseason. So if you could only pick one, who you got? Guy with the hottest stock right now entering the postseason. But what I like to consider is like the Randy Arena factor. He took off for the Rays a couple of years ago and just exploded onto the scene. And like, who yeah. do you expect or who do you think could do that for the Twins? And for me, I think my expectation is that one or maybe two Twins get exploded onto the national scene for people realizing how good they are. And I think Royce Lewis is kind of an obvious choice. I think Edouard Julien, if he can take some really nasty, like long plate appearances against mm-hmm. big time relievers in the playoffs. I think that people outside of Minnesota will catch on to the fact that he's, uh, you know, he's an up and coming leadoff type hitter that maybe people don't know that much about. Uh, so if he's going to have a silly season, if the Twins are going to have someone have a silly season like that, Julian on offense, or I really want to see what Louis Varlin does in the postseason. Uh, yeah. Minnesota boy out of the bullpen can't pitch every day out of the bullpen. So you can't have quite as big of an effect, but um, he's pumping 98, 9900, uh, which is, you know, much faster than he did it as a starter. 
And if he can keep the ball in the ballpark, which is a bit a big problem for him over his career, I mean, he's right in there with that back-end group with Griffin Jacks and Pagan and Duran. He's nasty, man. Um, we see Stewart coming back, needing mm. to, you know, kind of get back into form. But yeah, um, I really like Louis Varlin's spot on this team right now. Yeah, no, two good options there and no wrong answers. It feels like with this lineup and team right now, so many to choose from. It's just been yeah. so fun to watch them in the second half and in September specifically. Kepler, he seems like an obvious one as well. Second half, though, has just been so money. Yeah. What, four for four the other night? Game-winning RBI tonight. I don't know if you saw it, but the Athletic had each team's most improved player this year, and they actually had Ryan Jeffers on there for the Twins, guy who's like improved it. the most out of like anyone. It which is also pretty cool. And then as far as these three rookies go, man, I mean, apparently this was on the athletic as well. I read this the other day. Apparently it's been over 90 years since a team has had three rookies hit for an OPS of 840 or more. You'd have to go all the way back to 1930 when the St. Louis Cardinals Cardinals had three young studs. So uh, that brings me to my final question here, and then we'll get out of here. You know, I'm a huge NFL draft nerd. So I love, I love just thinking about the young guys in the future outlook for every Minnesota team when I can. And when it comes to the Twins 2024 lineup and beyond, am I nuts to be as jacked as I am just with all the young potential right now they've got with Julian, Walner, Royce, guys like Larnick, Kirilov. Just talk to me about what the farm system looks like, though, and the future outlook on guys like Brooks Lee and now Walker Jenkins, Charlie Soto, who I know is young, etc. But is there any of their top studs in the 2024 plans? Just from what you've seen and just how good does the future look for this team? For me, Brooks Lee is, it'll be curious to see how they handle the infield because you'll have Lewis Correa, uh, assuming they bring back Polanco, who has an option, but has been vintage Polanco. That could push things back with Lee a little bit, but he made it to AAA. He's on the fast track as a college player who, um, you know, has proven that he's healthy. That's kind of what the knock on him coming out in the draft was, was would he stay healthy? Could he stick at shortstop? Um, probably won't have to do that to get to the big leagues because of Carlos Correa. So we'll see what's next with him. But as far as the top guys, he's really uh, pretty much the only one that's in that mix to really uh, ascend to any sort of uh, factor next year. I, I love Walker Jenkins. I think they knocked it out of the park, but it's uh, he kind of has the look of one of those guys who could debut at 2021, 20, which is a special talent. It's just a couple years away. Uh, and I really like Emmanuel Rodriguez, um, crazy tools, lefty, lefty, uh, bat and throw center field type, uh, with crazy discipline. I love players like that because that's just such an, un, uh, unappreciated skill of, or underappreciated skill of uh, taking your walks. So, uh, I like the top of, of the, the farm system of the top 10 prospect rankings and all those things. Mm-hmm. But I also think, you know, the, the big league roster is pretty young and pretty fluid. So. I think the two of them work together really nicely to feel good about this Twins team, not only this fall, but going into subsequent seasons for sure. Yeah, you know, you think about a guy like Brooks Lee maybe popping up next year. I know Walter Jenkins is a ways away, but you mentioned a guy like Polanco and that option next offseason. And my first thought is when I think about these young guys coming up, with so much young talent already on the roster, if those guys are in, then who's out? Like, who's the first big name or two we're so used to seeing out there? Get the boot. But, you know, I digress. That's another topic for another time. (laughs) Uh, Twins beat the Rockies tonight, 7-6. Max Kepler, game-winning RBI in the ninth. Game two of the series tomorrow night, first pitch, 7-10 p.m. Central Standard Time. Sounds like we could see a a bullpen kind of game. Is that right? Is that the game plan from what you've heard? Yeah, the... That was initially Kenta Maeda's spot. They kicked him into relief. 
to prepare okay. them for October. So it uh, it's probably going to be some uh, some combination of an opener with um, you know one two innings and then boom wherever it goes from there. And with the Rockies, you never know. I mean, they've lost 102 games this year, so they're going to do whatever they want. All right, man. Good stuff as always. Twins win it. Game one versus the Rockies, seven six. Two games left. That's it of the 2023 regular season. Uh, big shout out, big thank you, everyone who joined us on tonight's postcast. And another reminder too, we're going to be here every single game from here on out, including the postseason, where Brandon's going to be side by side, helping us break down all the action. Absolutely cannot wait for that. And there's your daily reminder as well. Go check out Brandon every day on the Locked On Twins podcast. He's pumping out everything you need to know as the Twins try and stay hot and get healthy heading into the postseason. That'll do it for us, though, tonight. Follow us on X at Luke underscore Spinman and at Brandon underscore Warren. And follow all our work over at the Locked On Sports Minnesota Network and the Locked On Twins podcast. Until next time, he's Brandon Warren. I'm Luke Inman. Signing off.